0: Anyway, good, so there we are. Um, Without further ado, over to Ashley. Let's welcome Ashley.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, too kind. (laughs) Um, It doesn't seem like it was very long ago that I stood up here, did it? I feel like like it was only last week, but last week we got to witness Simon falling over, so that's not quite right. Um, So, Mark has been mentioning about Regions Beyond, and and we've been going through a series uh, on the values that churches of Regions Beyond want to show and live up to. Um, And in that series, we're up to the one called Embracing the Poor. And to be honest, I've not really looked too much into this topic. There's always a heart for those who are struggling. And that's not a doubt in my mind that anyone who would request aid or or want help, it's not a problem at all for me to want to give that. But to actually dig deep into it, to actually see what the Scripture says, to see the heart of God and to see how vast it is in Scripture, I've not done that before. And I was astounded. I was astounded at how core this value is to God. Now, it's not two regions beyond, it's not to us as a church, to actually how it is to God and how God, not just indirectly, but how many times He directly interacts and speaks about the poor and needy is mind-blowing. Absolutely, I, I, was, I spent a good 12 hours doing nothing but just going through Scripture on it. Nothing more, I didn't even do anything but just reading. Absolutely amazing. And so, since it is a core value of God, and it's a core value for us as a church, and it's a core value as a Christian, actually, it's a good thing that Regions Beyond thinks this should be a core value of Regions Beyond. And I want to speak about this today, I want to kind of try and catch us up a, a little bit in this. Um, And, and the reason we're going through these with Regents Beyond is because we want to be able to ask God, and in all these things, in these values we're going through, the main thing we really want you to do as, as the leadership here, we want you to take what you're hearing and say, God, make that my heart value. See, values are not so practical. They're a change of motivation. They happen in here, and out of that, action comes. So I want to really ask today, as you're listening to me on and off, depending how long you listen, just pray, pray, God, make this something that is not just something I hear, not something I try and say, I'll try and do that, but God, make this something that is part of who I am. This, this is what I want to try and get across to you today. So embracing the poor, the short statement that Regents Beyond has for that, they say this. They, they condense it down nicely. So we seek to continue the apostles' directive to remember the poor, so that we all participate as co-equal partners in world mission. So when you see that statement, and it's very well worded, they've, they've thought a lot about this. There's as many questions that, that will come up from that simple statement there, and we're going to go through. We're going to answer some of those. And it's very important that we do that from a biblical basis. Very important that we start from what the Bible says. But for me to give any answer to you that is worth listening to, it must be shaped by a question that impacts you, a question that you want to have answered. And the important question is this, why is embracing the poor a value we want to hold highly? Why, why are you speaking about this? Why do I have to listen to it? What makes this value one that I would want to build into my life, that I would want people to be able to see is part of who I am? Why embrace the poor? This is a question that is important to answer. I'm going to give you the answer to it right now, and then I'm going to show you why that is the answer, and then we're going to go back and see why, from Scripture, this is the answer that we should be living with. Why embrace the poor? We embrace the poor and needy because it reflects because it reflects the redeeming heart of God towards humanity. This is how grand this value is to God. Let me say that again. We embrace the poor and needy because it reflects the redeeming heart of God towards humanity. The depth and the breadth of this subject is that God looks down and he sees humanity and he responds And this is a core value of remembering the poor. It's not some small token. It's not something we tack on to the end of our Christianity. God saved me. I go church. I'm a good person. Oh, and the needy people. We'll do something about them. Wherever the gospel went, wherever the apostles went, Remembering the poor was immediately followed on. And I'll show you that so many over and over and over and over through scripture, this is repeated. It's at the very heart of the gospel. We seek to continue the apostles' directive to remember the poor so that we all participate as co equal partners in world mission. When the gospel went out so did the actions of remembering the poor. Galatians 2, 9-10 says this, When James and Caiaphas, which is Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, Paul, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Here we see two groups of apostolic leaders with distinct primary goals and people groups that they wanted to call out and, and, and lead into. But one thing that they wanted to remember was remember the Paul. Now, even though Paul was going to the Gentiles and Peter and that were going to the Jews, it's not to say that, therefore, Paul, you can't talk to Jews and you can't talk to Gentiles. No, we see that through Scripture. That's not even true. We know that Paul often went to the synagogues first, to the Jews first, and we know that Peter actually um, preached to the centurion's whole family and saw him baptised in the Spirit. So that's not what it's saying here, but there is a primary calling on apostolic people groups that God has asked to go in a specific way. And this is part of what we have as regions beyond. and this is part of what we're building these values up. God has asked us as a, as a people group, as regions beyond, that He says, "I've got some distinctives for you that I want you to major on." And it doesn't mean that we forget everything else, but this remembering the poor, it goes across any type of apostolic uh, people group, whether you're regions beyond whether you're in any other New Frontier spheres, whether you're with the Anglicans or the Catholics or whatever it is, this transcends all. Whether to the Jew or to the Gentile, remember the poor. When when I read that, I was thinking, you know, I've read that before, I've heard it. But if I had never read that Galatians verses... And someone come up to me and they said, I'm going to read something to you, I want you to fill in the blank. So they said, they said this, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to fill in the blank. And I was, I was looking at that and I thought, yeah, surely you'd say something probably more along the preach the gospel boldly. Yeah, no, that's what they, they, they probably would have, surely that would have been more to the point. Or remember the Lord's death until He returns. Or maybe, you know, asked us to baptize in water and in the Spirit, or asked us to study the Word of God diligently. Give thanks in all things. Give glory to God. Remember, you are justified by grace. Serve the church. Remember to keep in touch. All of those things are not wrong, nor are they bad, but it's not the, the thing that they said for them to remember. Peter and James, they, they said to, to Paul and Barnabas, they said, remember the poor. And Peter's reply, hear, uh, Peter's reply is this, he's not only, yeah, I'll do that, yeah, no, nah, that's a fair point, fair point, I, I, I should do that. It was the very thing he was eager to. To do. So they're kind of saying, Oh, Paul, remember. Remember the remember the poor. He's like, Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say that myself. That's exactly what I wanted to say to you guys. The very thing that the apostles encourage each other to do when sharing the gospel was to remember the poor. And that is why we want to continue this apostolic directive to remember the poor, not just as regions beyond, not just as the apex, but us as individuals. Where the gospel goes, there also will the people of God remember the poor. Where Jesus is Lord and Saviour, that is where you'll find social justice. So what does the word poor mean in the context of Scripture then? Well, I said I've read a a fair bit about it. I, I went through the ESV. I didn't even go into the original Greek and Hebrew, so you don't even have to worry about me trying to say words. I can't. So I just went through the ESV, and the translators of the ESV used the word poor in over 170 verses. It is directly mentioned in over half the books of the Bible and there are over two uh, two of the minor prophets are almost completely dedicated to this topic. It is touching the whole of scripture. I hope you can see why we think this should be a core value. And when I saw that it was in over 170 verses, I thought, "Ah, that's a bit too many, isn't it? Which one do I choose? And in preparing for this, I felt God say, read them all. And now you can't just go through reading verses off by themselves, because they're almost pointless reading a verse by itself. So that requires you to read it in context, so you've got to read verses around it. So over 170 verses and the verses around it, I read in context. And then I felt God kind of like saying, now summarize each of them. So I'm going through over 170 verses, mentioning the poor, reading them in context, and then summarizing each one. Why am I telling you this? Why am I trying to? Am I trying to big myself up? Am I trying to say, look at how much effort I've put in, you've got to do something about it? No. I want you to see that this is a biblical narrative. It spans from Genesis all the way to Revelation, it is interwoven all the way through the biblical narrative. You cannot avoid it. You can't. And when the word poor is used in context of referring to people, it normally implies one or two contexts those people will be in. It will either mean a social economic context, or it will be a spiritual context. It sometimes can be both of those at the same time, but it's not always the case. And it's very hard to give a very precise meaning of what, it, what the Scripture means to be poor because it touches so much and because it is used in so many different places. But it does have, if you, if you take an overview, and this is, this is why reading vast amounts of Scripture quickly helps you to see in a big overview of what it's trying to get at. And you can just pull what is the main theological overview that God is trying to get to us and, and help us understand about the poor. And it's interesting that when you start reading it from that point, you actually start seeing this word poor is used very often with the word needy. The poor and the needy. The poor and the needy. The poor and the needy. repeated over and over again. So here's my definition after reading those verses of what poor means. It is someone that needs outside help if they are to be sustained and that in their current state they are unable to bless in like others in similar circumstances. I'll read that again. The poor. Someone that needs help needs outside help if they are to be sustained and that in their current state they are unable to bless in like to others in similar circumstances. Now, I mean bless in like. When I say that, I, I, I mean in this context, if someone invites me over for dinner, I go over, it's a lovely meal. The next week, I can bless them the same way by inviting them over to a meal at my house. I can bless them in like. But if the context was as I did, someone gave me food for my family, and that was all I had. In fact, I didn't even have enough to feed myself. I could just feed my family wife and children, I could not repay repay that person in like. I could not then go and give them food, for I would have none to give. That is what it means by blessing in like. And that's what I mean in the context of this. This is what it means when you're reading through Scripture, the poor and needy. This is what it's referring to. Now, it can either be economic or social poor and needy, or it could be spiritual, meaning I can't bless you in the way that you have given me that word of knowledge, or that compassion, or that un, un, unending love and embracing me. I don't have it in me to give back. This, this is the, the context that is used for the poor and needy. John Stott, he, ha, he says then, so he then takes and says, what are the people groups that this is referring to? So well, what I have said there is the context that that poor is used in, here is what John Stott says, and he classifies it into three main groups. He says, there's the indignant poor, those who lack the basic necessities of food, clothing, or shelter for which they need to live. The oppressed poor, those who are powerless victims of human injustice or oppressive life circumstances. And the humble poor, those who acknowledge their helplessness and their need for saving. And as I was reading it, it was quite interesting because I was reading through, and Jeremiah actually gives his version of what he believes the poor to be. And he's, in the context he's speaking of, he's speaking to Israel as a people group. And he says, the poor are those who do not know the way of God. So there is this context of, yes, there is a physical, there is a a poor of those who do not have what they need on this earth but there is also a poor in spirit a poor of people that they do not know god they are poor so we see that there are many people groups that are touched by this phrase poor in fact It is vast, the amount of people it refers to in Scripture. But what's important is how does God respond to these verses? What is God's point of view on it? To see how God responds to the poor and needy, we're going to read Psalm 113. And it says this, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with princes of his people. He gives a barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. When God looks out across all of humanity... When he sees all that there is, he sees the poor and the needy. He he doesn't stop there, though. See, sometimes we can see the poor and the needy and we stop. God doesn't stop there. He sees the poor and the needy. And he doesn't leave them where they are. He lifts them up. And he doesn't just put them a little bit higher. There you go. There you can stand. That's a little bit. How's that? Is that a bit more comfortable? No. He lifts them up to be with royalty. Those, those very people that would pass by the poor, God says, no. Do you know what? They're equal to you. You are my people. They are my people. They are equal to Royalty. That is how God treats and responds to the poor. And the amazing thing is, is God has no equal. He is so high above it all. In fact, the heavens—he looks down on those. He's so high above it all, and yet He doesn't send an angel. He doesn't send some lesser being. He himself picks them up. God himself comes down to lift up the poor and the needy. In other places in Scripture, it mentions God fighting for the poor, it says he hasn't forgotten the poor. But he is their refuge, he hears their cries, he will deliver them, save them, defend them, he thinks about them, helps them, strengthens them, comforts them, stands with them, and satisfies them. This is all directly in reference to the poor. Now I know Christ does that, God does that for every person. But these scriptures, what I've read those, those those phrases right there, that is in direct linking with the phrase poor and needy. This is how God responds to them. He will not forsake them. He provides with no demands. God responds to the poor and needy, and in doing so, it displays the very character of God. God. It shows us the very nature of who he is. In Exodus, God's response to the, to the poor when they cried out is he says, I will hear them. So when the poor cries out, God says, I will hear them. But the reason why he will hear them, that, that is an amazing point. In Exodus twenty two twenty five, 25, it says, and if he cries, if the poor and the needy cries to me, I will hear For I am, now, as soon as you hear that I am statements, God's going, listen, listen. For I am compassionate. Compassionate. You see, God doesn't just lift the needy up. He doesn't just go, I've done it, there you go, you're with royalty. He has compassion upon them. And he can actually know what they're going through. And he doesn't sympathize. He empathizes with them. He is compassionate. This is the characteristic of God that comes through this. He is just. Justice is the other characteristic of God that screams forth when you start reading verses that have to do with the poor and needy. So many verses about the justice of God when it comes to the poor and needy. It's astounding. There is a vast amount of Deuteronomy and Leviticus dedicated to the protection of the poor. God has actually made in law protection for the poor. And I was reading through these laws and I was thinking, you know what, Western society, we think we're quite good. And we think, well government does an alright job, doesn't it? If we were to measure up how we treat the poor to what God has told the Israelites to meet the poor, we would be appalled. We would be absolutely on our knees in repentance. There is no comparison. There is no comparison how God wanted the poor to be treated and how we as a nation as a society does it. God put in place laws to protect the, the rich and those who are well off from oppressing the poor. And I love, do you know, God, God just doesn't say, don't do it. He doesn't. He gives you the reason why He's telling you that. And in Deuteronomy, he says, you shall remember. Here's his words again. So so he's put these laws in place. This this verse in Deuteronomy is after a whole heap that he said, this is how you protect the poor. This is why you make sure they don't get oppressed. And then he says, why am I telling you this? You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. Why should the Israelites care for the poor and needy? They were all once slaves. They were all once oppressed. They had no way of changing that. God came and changed that. He says, because I have done, I have redeemed you, you also shall show that redemption to the poor. And I could go into all the year of the Jubilee. I could go through all those laws that that are in place that that will say how you allow the poor to redeem themselves. It is, the word redemption when it comes to the poor and the oppressed is just staggering. The reason God asks them to remember is because he redeemed them from slavery you were once slaves, I redeemed you. I am the Lord, your God. I brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. I gave you an inheritance when you had nothing. Once you were a slave, now you are a nation. You just have to just go and read through these verses and and. and And follow through the thread of this and you'll see that God is a God of justice and He's a God of compassion. He's a God of grace and He's a God of mercy. He's generous and He's honourable. All these characteristics of God are clearly displayed when you read verses about the poor and the needy. In fact, God is so passionate about the poor and the needy Was that (laughs) Oh, it was Ray. Everyone, can we remind Ray next week to to turn his mobile on silent? (laughs) Okay. God is so passionate about the poor that how we as people respond to the poor directly affects how God responds to us. God is so passionate about the poor that how we respond to the poor directly affects how God responds to us. Our response to the poor affects God's response to us. If that doesn't make you think that it's serious or that it's important to God, then I don't know what else would. In Proverbs it says that if you mock or oppress the poor, it is the same as insulting God. But if you, were to honor, if you want to honor God, then be generous to the poor. Wow. If you want to insult God, all you've got to do is neglect the poor. If you want to honor God, be generous to the poor. Oh, and and by the way, he goes on to say that when you're generous to the poor, you are lending to God. You don't even need to see anything back from what you've directly given to the poor. How are they going to use it? Oh, they probably probably won't use it well. Do you know what? I probably should just make sure that it's constrained. No, it doesn't say that. It says, when you generously give to the poor, you are lending to God, and God will repay you. The poor and the needy, is not your concern the outcome of what they do with that that is not what God's saying your concern is he says when you give to the poor and the needy you are saying here God I'm giving to you I'm loaning to you and God says I God of everything we've just read in Psalm 113 haven't we high above everything there is none like him you lend to him I will repay you That, that is how God responds to us when we respond to the poor. This is just scripture, people. I'm also alone reading this scripture here. In the Proverbs and Minor Prophets, a righteous person is defined as one who provides for the needy and defends the poor. A righteous person are are those who God expects to judge the cause of the needy and to look out for the poor and to stop injustice, especially when the poor person is in the right. Who here has heard the story of Sodom and Gomorrah? Who here knows when I say Sodom uh, in the context of Scripture. Who knows what I mean by that? Yeah. So, so the city of Sodom was in a horrific place, a place where perhaps morals didn't exist, or if they were, they were very loosely applied, in all contexts, right? A, a terrible place... And God destroys us. The whole city, kaboom, gone because of the way that they acted. Do you know what Ezekiel says about Sodom? Do you know what Ezekiel says that the guilt of Sodom was? Ezekiel 16.49, Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, excess of food, and prosperous ease, but did not aid the poor and needy. Hang on, I thought it was sexual immorality that they were destroyed for. In part, yes. Ezekiel says they are guilty of not only neglecting the poor, they had the means and the time and they still did nothing and Ezekiel says that is why they're guilty. That's how God responds to the poor, neglecting the poor. If you are able and you have the time and you neglect the poor on purpose, God's saying, in Scripture here, Ezekiel is saying that you're as guilty as Sodom. You're as guilty as Sodom. But that was not the main point Ezekiel was even trying to get across. He wasn't even trying to get across that Sodom was guilty of neglecting the poor. His point was that Israel, who should know better, was oppressing and neglecting the poor. And and Ezekiel says, you are worse than Sodom because you know, you know that you should do this. I have told you that you should do this and you are willingly and purposefully oppressing and neglecting the poor and the needy. You are worse, Israel, than Sodom. Now, I know that Ezekiel is talking in the context of Israel, but people, this applies to us as well. We need to be careful that we are not neglecting the poor and the needy, because this does upset God. It does upset God. And why does it? Why would such a thing upset God? God is a God of justice and mercy. And he wants his people to show justice and mercy. And we do this by not oppressing the poor and by providing for the needy. So, uh, So far, we've only really looked at the Old Testament point of view that God has for this. For us to really grasp it, we need to go to the source of Christianity, Jesus. And so if we start coming into Luke, what does Jesus use as the evidence that he is the Christ? When, according to Luke, when, God, when Jesus starts his ministry, he says a statement that says, I am the Christ. And he reads it from Isaiah, and this is what it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus has defined his right to be called Christ based upon the verse that says he is to go preach the good news to the poor and the needy. To set the, free, the, the oppressed free. Jesus was often found around the poor and the needy. And one of the amazing uh, stories is that of Zacchaeus. Do you know what happens when you encounter Christ? Christ. Zacchaeus, here we have a story. He encounters Christ. He didn't even expect Christ to do anything more than walk by. And Christ says, come, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your place today. What is Zacchaeus'... Do you know the first thing he says when Jesus comes to his house? He says Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to give half of everything I have to the poor. That's not... Jesus, I'm going I'm to study the Word. I'm going to know everything about you. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to follow you everywhere you go. His response is, when he encounters Christ, his response is, I'm going I'm to be generous to the poor. Encountering Christ makes us generous to the poor. Where the gospel goes, so does remembering the poor. They go hand in hand. There is no separation there. God is passionate about the poor. Proverbs 22.2 The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. This is why God is passionate about the poor. It's not just the poor. He's passionate about all of humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There is no Jew or Gentile, male or female, rich or poor in the kingdom of God. He made us all. He redeemed us all. We are all equal. Therefore, we must also show no partiality but treat all equally as we have been. We are the image bearers of God. We are His physical representation on earth. We are Christ's ambassadors. The truth is, compared to the riches of God, everyone is poor. Compared to the incomprehensible riches of God, no one, and I mean no one, can even come close to being called rich. In fact, the best we do is smell, smell like a dung heap compared to God. 2 Corinthians 8 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Jesus stooped down. He came down into humanity, forsaking the riches of heaven, so that he could redeem. He could redeem humanity and create a new humanity in Christ, lifting us up out of the ashes, seating him with the Father in heaven so we've come full circle now why embrace the poor we embrace the poor and the needy because it reflects the redeeming heart of god towards humanity when we remember the poor we are in essence saying god i remember that i once also was poor and a slave I once also had no way of helping myself out of the pit that I am in. And you, you came down. You came down and you redeemed me out of this humanity and called me your own. You made me a new man, a new woman, a new creation in Christ. And because of that, I remember. I remember the poor. We're here on Remembrance Sunday, and we are remembering those who have sacrificed their life for our freedom. And we had communion today, and Mark reminded us that we're also remembering the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made for us as well. And the sacrifice Jesus made was for freedom that does not cease or end. And when we actively remember the poor we are also actively remembering that we were once all slaves but now have been redeemed by the riches of Christ so that now we can say Abba Father, dear Father and hear that response my beloved child. Remembering the poor and the needy people. It must be something that is not tacked onto our Christianity. It must be something that we are constantly reminded of whenever we see Christ. Whenever we remember communion, this is part of what we're remembering. Once we were slaves, now we are free. We are called to be the moral compass in this world. We are called to fight for those who can't fight. We are called to give to those who have nothing to give. Why embrace the poor? We embrace the poor and needy because it reflects the redeeming heart of God towards humanity. I'm just going to pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you so much that you don't leave us as we were. We thank you that in the letter of James, he, he cries out and he says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Lord Jesus, we deserve nothing but judgment, yet your mercy triumphed. We deserve nothing but to be kept in slavery. For eternity. And yet you, you Lord Jesus, you pulled us out of that. Oh, what a glorious truth that is. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would know that whenever we think and whenever we uh, remember of that great saving grace of Jesus Christ, we would also remember there are others that we can show the generosity of God to. Those who cannot pay back. Those who may abuse our generosity, but that we know we lend not to man, but we are lending to a God who will repay. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we go out in this week, we'd be mindful of of those people around us and, and even, Lord Jesus, if you're pulling at our heartstring, we want to be a people that says... Not, not not, that we would stand there and say, send one else, but send someone else, but we would be a, a people group, a, per, a, a church, a, a family of God that would say, Lord, I, I am willing to be sent as well. And Lord Jesus, I just pray. I pray for this. Amazing family of God, right here. I, I I give thanks for their generosity, as we have heard in the in in the exact thing that I'm speaking about today, in offerings to regions beyond, so that the poor and the needy may may be generously blessed. And I thank you that this people right here, right now, that we are doing what you have asked us to do. We are being generous over over seven thousand this year, just to that one. Thing of giving to the poor and the needy. Lord oh, Jesus, continually keep our hearts soft, continually allow us to be as generous as you are
0: to the poor and needy. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. But we've heard this morning, I just was looking at um, Rodney's prophetic word that he gave us a couple of weeks ago, and if you haven't got a copy of that, there's some on the, on the lectern at the back there, please do take one. One of the phrases he uses there, he talks about that you will be a church of a generous spirit towards the needy and those who need justice. You have a look at it and you'll see there's a phrase there. I just just feel that there are some of you here, your hearts are just challenged. And a um, couple of questions for you to reflect on as you go out into work and the world of which you live, society in which you live, I think there will be different people for different ones of us. I want you to ask the Lord, I want, to dare to, I want you to dare to ask the Lord, Lord, who are the poor? Who are the poor that I know? I think for different ones of us it will be different things. Lord, I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me? There will be, be different things for, for us, I think, in different ways. Some things God's already laid on your heart, things that he's already said to you. I want to encourage you to look at those again, revisit those things again. Particularly in, in, in terms of those who don't have what you have, those who are, that the Lord would come to and want to lift them. Did you hear that? He wants to lift them. It's not just about being charitable. It's not just being a nice British person. It's about the heart of God. I believe God's putting that in this church. He's doing that in this church. I felt particularly as I sat there that even for one or two of you, this issue of justice, the reason that some Christians get involved in politics, I know it can be very messy and very challenging, but so often if you talk to born-again Christians in politics, they're there because of these very scriptures. They're right in the heart of government. It's a hard place to be, a very hard place to be. I believe that maybe even in this place and in days to come, in this church, God is going to speak to different ones of you who are about engaging with government, engaging with issues of justice and poverty, inequality, Remember what we talked about, equality. It's about preferring others better than ourselves. God's doing something. He's speaking to us. We've been praying. We've been asking. We've been saying, Lord, show us. What do you want us to be as a church? What are the things that you're saying to us? What are the things you're challenging us about? We just, I just want to respond on behalf of the church. And Lord, we say, give us ears to hear what you're saying in these days. Show us how we're to respond. I pray for different ones here this morning who who have been provoked by your word. Lord, would you speak to them? Speak to them your purposes and your plans. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ashley.